You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you uh, amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Now on today's show, we are kicking off our NL East division previews ahead of opening day, and we are starting with the rotations in this division. Who has the best group? With Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, and Chris Bassett, the Mets arguably have the best trio in all of baseball. But when you factor in Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker, and you look at the other elite rotations, not only in this division, but in the league in general, you might not be able to make that claim that the Mets have the best rotation in baseball. So in the first segment, I'm going to talk about the rotations in this division that I don't think really stack up to the Mets. In the second segment, we'll talk about which rotation is the best in this division, and then in the final segment, we'll open it up to the entire league and see where the Mets stack up among all of the best rotations in baseball. Could they have the best one in the sport? We're going to get to that in a little bit, but before we do, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter, at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor, and where I also just wrote a piece breaking down the top 10 starting rotations in baseball. And when I was going through this exercise, looking at every rotation in the game and trying to find where the value was, where were these top rotations, who had the best three, who had the best depth, all of that stuff, what struck me is how many good rotations there are in the National League East. We're going to be previewing over the next couple episodes and leading into opening day, the National League East in this divisional race. And we're starting today breaking down these rotations. And really, that's the strength of this division. You can take the Nationals, you can throw them out, okay? Because they're not going to factor into the division this year. And their rotation is a huge weak point. You know, with Steven Strasburg dealing with the TOS, with Patrick Corbin looking like a wash pitcher at this point. I mean, Anibal Sanchez could arguably be, what, a number three going into opening day for this team. And he signed on a minor league deal. It's just a bad rotation. So we'll take them. We throw them out. As we are looking at the rest of the teams in this division, though, all four of them were in contention to be in my top 10. The one that I left off was the Phillies, but I would have put them as maybe the 11th or the 12th best rotation of baseball. They were right there. You know, I had the Padres at 10. I really did think about the Phillies at 10. So I don't think the Phillies have a bad rotation and everything could come together for them. But you look at that group and to me, It's just the questions at the back end after you get through Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nolan to a certain extent, Ranger Suarez, when you get to Zach Eflin and Kyle Gibson, I just don't feel good about that Phillies rotation. Uh, You look at Eflin, you know, a 4.17 ERA last year and 18 starts in 2000 or since 2018, he has a 4.18 ERA. So he's basically been this guy for them for the last, you know, couple of seasons where, you know, he's a good fourth starter, a fifth starter for you. He's not great, but he's able to pitch to contact, and he does pretty well. The thing about uh, Eflin and also Kyle Gibson that I don't like, and even Zach Wheeler to a certain extent, 
the Phillies have a lot of pitchers in this rotation that are pitching to contact, and they're going to have the worst team defense in baseball behind them. So that's going to make this rotation play down a bit. And honestly, that's why I knocked them out of my top 10. I just did not think that with that team defense, this rotation is going to shine out in Philly. But, you know, the strength of the team goes to that top three. And Zach Wheeler, you know, like I said, he pitches the contact, but it's soft contact. And that's why he was still able to be very successful last year, pitching to a 278 ERA. He also led the league with 213 and a third innings pitched at a 7.3 F4, which only trailed Corbin Burns. So one of the most valuable pitchers in baseball, the runner-up in that Cy Young race. Look, to me, when you look at this division, if you were just to rank out all the starting pitchers by themselves, it would be DeGrom, it would then be Wheeler and Scherzer right under him. I mean, that's how good Wheeler was last year. To, to even say he might even be in the same league or tier as a Max Scherzer right now. That's how good he was. And also how good he was in 2020. Since he left the Mets, he's been amazing. And really, if you look back at his last two years with the Mets, we saw signs of this. That's why I was banging on the table the entire first year of Locked On Mets to to get Zach Wheeler signed to an extension. That might have been my first podcast ever. If you go all the way back through the archives, and I actually don't know if I encourage you to do that because this show maybe sounded a little bit different. nearly three, three and a half years ago. Um, but regardless, I've always been high on Wheeler. He's a great ace. Behind him, though, you have Aaron Nola, who I think is better than his 4.63 ERA last season. You look at his um, ex-fit, which is expected fielding independent pitching, or his expected ERA. Both of them were at 3.37. That shows you how bad the defense was behind him. He would have been so much better last year if he was pitching in front of a team that could actually field the ball behind him. If he didn't have Didi Gregorius as the starting shortstop behind him in a lot of those starts, um, I think he's a lot better than he showed. You know, he has a top three finish in the Cy Young uh, during his career at one point. So this is a guy that has a very high ceiling, but you still compare him to a Max Scherzer or even to like a Trevor Rogers with the Marlins or a Charlie Morton. Uh, I, I just don't think the Phillies rotation is good enough to be considered a top 10 rotation. Ranger Suarez is a real X factor for them. Last year, he pitched to a 1.36 ERA. Is he going to do that again? I strongly doubt that. His XFIP for last year was 3.38, which is still really good. Um, but that shows you that you know the ERA is expected to take a, at least some regression this year down into maybe the low threes if he puts up a great season or who knows, even falling beyond that. Um, if he kind of crashes back to earth, which I think is a distinct possibility, but he was really good. You know, started the season in the bullpen at 27 appearances there, ended the year in the rotation, made 12 starts and pitched to a 1.51 ERA out of the rotation. So if he's that, if he's elite and they have this great trio, and then if Kyle Gibson and Zach Eflin are just consistent back end starters that are giving you a chance to win, you know, two out of every three times, who knows? This Phillies rotation could be a lot better than we're projecting right now. But for me, I, I couldn't put it into my top 10. And I could see, you know, the floor even dropping out from under. If Suarez has a bad year, if one of Nola or, or Wheeler gets hurt, it's a rotation that doesn't have, have a lot of depth either. Now, moving over to the Braves, um, they were in my top 10. But I want to tell you now, they're below the Marlins and the Mets. So when I look at this Braves rotation, 
it's the depth that really carries them. I, I could make the argument, and I probably would make the argument, that they have the deepest rotation in this division. Uh, you got Max Freed, who is coming off you know another good year. He has a 2.84 ERA since the start of 2020, which is the fifth best ERA in baseball for qualified starting pitchers. Very strong, uh, a solid left-handed pitcher that has just dominant stuff. Charlie Morton is the type of veteran that you want if you have a winning team. He's going to go out there and give you a chance to win. You have Ian Anderson coming off a breakout season where he pitched to a 3.58 ERA. So that's a really good trio. I don't know if the ceiling of that trio, though, is quite up there with certainly the Mets or even the Marlins with what they have in Sandy Alcantara and Trevor Rogers and Pablo Lopez and some of the young arms they have at the back end of the rotation. I just think the ceiling of the Marlins rotation is, is much higher than the Braves. And I would say the same thing about the Mets. So I, I look at this Braves team and, and they're still the team to beat. I don't think that their rotation is a concern at all. And their bullpen is unbelievable. Clearly the best bullpen in this division. So when you look at that composite and you just look at the team's pitching, I, I mean, it would be fair to say that the Braves have the best overall pitching in this division, but particularly their starting rotation. I had them behind the Mets and the Marlins. We're going to talk about next, which one has the best rotation in the national league East. And then where do they stack up when it comes to the best rotation in baseball? We're going to get to all of that. But first I want to tell you about athletic greens, which I use literally every single day uh, for a while. I was looking for some way to get my vitamins and my nutrients had never been big on taking a bunch of pills, and I never knew what to take. And basically, Athletic Greens just made it all simple and easy for me. Just one scoop every morning in a cold glass of water, and I'm set. I don't got to worry about my vitamins or my nutrients. I'm absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, which helps start my day right. They can do the same thing for you. This is a special blend of ingredients that supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, your aging. All I know is when I drink Athletic Greens in the morning, I feel great all day. That's all I can tell you. It, it costs you less than $3 a day, which makes it cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's the single best thing you can do for your body in under 60 seconds. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition with just that one scoop of, of Athletic Greens and your cup of water every morning. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so now we get into a very interesting debate that I think on the surface, a lot of Mets fans would scoff at, but I look at the Miami Marlins and I look at the Mets and I could see either team having the better rotation this year. The Marlins are a frisky team. I, I don't know if they're really going to contend. Uh, I think that their ceiling is still just a little bit better than 500. Uh, which would put them in a contention in a wild card. I don't think they're going to really push the Mets or the Braves in this division. 
But you look at this rotation, and it's got 2015 Mets vibes. It, it just does. You got Sandy Alcantara, who's just a, an unbelievable young starting pitcher who has not only found his way uh, being able to tap into his elite stuff, but also to be a workhorse for that rotation. He's basically gone 200 innings over the last two full seasons. He was just over 190 in 2019. He was over 200 this year. You look at the composite, over 400 innings combined between 2019 and 2021. Has a career 3.49 ERA. He throws the ball harder than a lot of starting pitchers, really maintains that velocity throughout his starts, can go really deep into games. Just the type of ace that you want, and they got him under a really team-friendly contract. That's a really nice starting point for that rotation over the next couple of years. And then you factor in Trevor Rogers, and that's a dynamic duo. That's two all-stars last season, the Marlins had in that rotation. And, and Rogers was lights out. He was my pick to win rookie of the year last year. And, and obviously the health down the stretch allowed Jonathan India to become more of a clear-cut winner. But Trevor Rogers was the runner-up. He struck out 28.5% of batters that he faced. In his first go-around, that shows you how nasty he can be. I mean, the fastball-slider combo from him coming from the left side, he's really tough to hit. And I look at that, too, and I compare that to what the Braves have and what the Phillies have. And to me, that is the best one-two punch in this division outside of the obvious one, which is DeGrom and Scherzer. Now you factor in Pablo Lopez, who pitched to a 3.07 ERA last year. Um, he's a really underrated pitcher. You have Jesus Lazardo, who's a guy that looks to really break out this season, has a lot of velocity coming from that left arm. You got LCR Hernandez, who is at least a quality option to start the season. But really, you look at the minors, and they have guys like Edward Cabrera, Max Mayer, uh, Jake Ader. They got a lot of different arms that could come in. Even Sixto Sanchez has sort of become forgotten because he struggled. There's been injuries. He just hasn't been the guy that we thought he could be when he first debuted. But a lot of talent there for Sixto Sanchez as well. This is a Marlins staff that could be really, really good. I think the, the degree of outcomes is maybe the widest with them, where you know you could see, let's just say Alcantara goes down and you're sitting there and it's just Trevor Rogers and a lot of unproven guys. Maybe suddenly something would, would happen like that where they would fall off entirely. But you could also see it coming all together like the 2015 Mets where you might have five starters who are in their 20s who are pitching at an elite level every single day. And then suddenly the Marlins could become this dark horse team in the National League East. They are staking all of their contention hopes to this rotation. And it's a good enough rotation that I put them right there with the Phillies. I think the Phillies are still a safer bet as a team that has a puncher's chance in this division and you know a, a decent shot at making the wild card. But if you're going to tell me what plays over a 162-game season, I think pitching plays more than hitting. And really, if you combine those two teams, if you were to take the Phillies lineup and pair that with the Marlins pitching, and maybe you could try to accent the roster with everything you have that try to make that defense not atrocious behind you because both of these teams, I think, are going to struggle defensively. That could be a, a real team that could contend with the Braves and the Mets because each of these teams has so many holes, and we're going to go through them over the next couple of days as we talk about the best outfields and the best infields in this division. 
if we were able to, you know, just look at it and see a team that could come together in a one season, I think the Marlins have a shot. So I look at that rotation and it's a top five rotation in baseball for me. They came in at number five in my list. And I think some people are going to be shocked by that, but it's a lot of dynamic young talent. And I've seen that play out before where it can work out maybe just for a season, um, but it could be a magical season if that pitching can coalesce all at one time. And sometimes that can happen when you have these young hurlers. The Mets are still, though, uh, in my opinion, the clear-cut best rotation in this division. It just starts with DeGrom and Scherzer and the way they're looking. The fact that they both seem healthy and ready to go at the start of this season, I think that's going to help the Mets jump out to an early lead in this division. Chris Bassett as your number three. It just doesn't get better. I did an entire podcast breaking down Bassett compared to the other you know, number three starters in baseball that you can watch, you can listen to. Um, and I think the argument is pretty clear that he might not be the best number three starter in baseball, but he's clearly top 10 and probably top five. So you look at that trio and that alone gives the Mets a, a top five rotation in baseball. I think that the, the real question here is can they get a, a return to form from Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker? I don't even think you need both. I think just one of them has to show that they are the same pitcher they've been. In 2020, Carlos Carrasco pitched to a 291 ERA and he made all 12 of his starts. That's not that long ago. Okay, 2020 feels like forever ago when we're thinking about a pandemic and everything that's happened since then. But the 2020 season is not too far in the past that Carrasco can't be that again. It's not like his velocity, you know, nosedived last season or anything like that. It was a year where he gets rushed back after blowing out a hammy and they just put him right on the major league roster to rehab there. I think that was a really bad decision in retrospect. You put a lot of bad tape on film because of it. Really struggled in the first inning of a lot of those starts. Never was good for sure, but I am much more willing and quick to just throw out that season than to take anything from it. I am concerned about a pitcher in his mid-30s, don't get me wrong, but I actually have a lot of confidence that he's going to be a quality starter for the Mets. I have a little bit more confidence in Carrasco than I do in Taiwan Walker. Um, just because of how bad Walker looked in the second half. But again, a 2.66 ERA in the first half. I don't think he'll be that over a full year, but could Taiwan Walker give you a four ERA? Absolutely. And if you get that from one of these two guys, if you get them to at least just give you a chance every fifth day, the Mets will be you know buoyed by that top three in this rotation, could be the best in baseball. They just need something out of those two guys. And then I look at Tyler McGill as a six starter. And I love his potential. I, I, I would hope that McGill's going to get his opportunities this year. And if one of those two guys in Carrasco or Walker is struggling and the rest of the rotation is healthy, I would hope that the Mets would keep the door open for McGill to grab one of those spots at the back of the rotation because I think he is uh, maybe even a better bet th than the, the veterans. I, I think you have to give the veterans the first crack at it. But McGill's a really good option the Mets have as well. So with that said, clearly the best starting rotation in the National League East. But the question now remains, how do they stack up in Major League Baseball? In my list, they were not the top rotation in the game. I'll tell you who it was in just a minute.
the best starting rotation in baseball? The answer is the Milwaukee Brewers. And really, I don't think it's that close because one through five, this rotation is something special. Last year, that top three was definitely the best in baseball. When you look at Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta, it just doesn't get better than that. They're all young, under control. It gives the Brewers this wide open window to contend. And it starts with the reigning NL Cy Young, Corbin Burns. He was the only pitcher to put up these video game-like numbers outside of Jacob DeGrom, and he did it over a full year. So that's why he got that distinction of being the Cy Young winner at 2.43 ERA. His F-War was 7.5, the best in baseball. You look at those expected metrics I talked about earlier, the expected ERA, the expected fielding independent pitching, it shows even better results than what he actually got with his real ERA. His expected ERA was a flat two. His XFIP was 2.30. So you could expect even better performance next season from Corbin Burns. You add in Brandon Woodruff, who was a top five finisher in the Cy Young last year as well. He pitched to a 2.56 ERA, the fourth best mark in baseball, and led the Brewers with 179 and a third innings pitch. It was weird because Burns was the Cy Young and Woodruff was kind of the ace, only in that they were uh, you know, able to ride him a little bit more. They, they gave him a little bit more opportunities to go deeper into games, but the two of them are right there with DeGrom and Scherzer as one of the best duos in baseball. Obviously, I still give the edge to any duo that includes Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer is a really unbelievable pitcher who had a better year than Brandon Woodruff as a two. But that's just, I mean, if you told me at the end of the season, Burns and Woodruff would have better numbers than DeGrom and Scherzer, I would not be surprised in the slightest. That's just how good they are. That's not a knock on DeGrom and Scherzer. And then you factor in Freddie Peralta, who's completely underrated as well. I mean, a 25-year-old who just got a, it was under a really good contract extension that they signed him to. He's cheap. And I mean, look, he was really close there. If he had five more strikeouts, the Brewers would have had three starting pitches with 200 Ks last season, um, all of which having sub three ERAs because Freddie Peralta had a 2.81 ERA and 144 and a third innings pitch. So that trio um, would put them right there with the Mets and their DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett combination. But then you look at the back end of the rotation. And they just got better options. They got Adrian Hauser, a great ground ball pitcher. They got Eric Lauer coming off a good season. You look at Hauser, he had a 3.19 ERA. Uh, Lauer had a three point. Actually, no, Lauer was 3.19. Sorry, Hauser was 3.22. Pretty much the same thing for both of these guys. That makes up their top five. Last year, they really had a six-man rotation with Brett Anderson, but he's a free agent. Um, I think he's still a free agent. And even though he was respectable to 4.22 ERA, you, you move him out. And if they just roll out a five-man rotation with that top three of Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, and then Hauser and Lauer, they're set. They also have Aaron Ashby, uh, another rotation option that's very solid as well. That's the best rotation in baseball. And that's where I have him ranked in my top 10. Number two, still not the Mets. Number two is the Dodgers. And it comes down to depth with the Dodgers, the fact that they have proven that they can plug in some of these prospects or these veterans for eight starts and get good production. They're just a really smart, well-run franchise. And you look at the top of their rotation with Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, and Clayton Kershaw, it's comparable to the Mets' top three. It is. 
You know, am I going to say that Chris Bassett's a better pitcher than Clayton Kershaw because he's coming off a slightly better season? No, I'm not going to say that. Clayton Kershaw is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, Walker Bueller and Urias are just two of the best young starters in the game. DeGrom and Scherzer are better, but when I look at just the overall depth, the, the better farm system to draw from, the fact that they just figure it out and the fact that they had the best ERA in baseball last year, or maybe was it the second best? No, it was the best. 2.93 was the best, even better than the Brewers. And the Brewers were 3.13 last year. I can't have the Dodgers ahead of, uh, or I can't have the Mets ahead of the Dodgers, um, just considering what they did last year. And again, just, just the overall trust I have that they're going to have a good season. I just have more faith in them than I do in some of the back end options for the Mets. And that's where I have the Mets right below them at number three. So a top three rotation in baseball. Um, the number four on my list was the Giants. Um, and the Marlins closed out the top five. I, I just want to touch on the Giants real quick because they're on this list similar to the Dodgers with respect to just what I believe they can do, how they can continue year over year to get the most out of their guys. They sub Kevin Gosman, who leads in free agency with Carlos Rodon on a shorter deal. Rodon probably has a lot more upside than Gosman, certainly a lower floor due to the injury risk, but he could be really special. Logan Webb is an emerging ace. Anthony DiScalafani had one of the quietest 3.17 ERA seasons I can remember. Um, so you you factor him in the mix as well. Uh, when I was going through the top three, you know, or Chris Bassett comparing it to other number three starters in baseball, you know, him and DiScalafani were right there with each other in their stats. So yeah, the Giants were, were right there with the Mets. They have Alex Wood and Alex Cobb closing out that rotation. I think the Mets upside put them ahead of the Giants, but the Giants are in this conversation as well. So those are my top five, Marlins, Giants, Mets, Dodgers, Brewers. What I will say, though, is by the end of the year, I also would not be surprised if the Mets did put forward the best rotation in baseball because I could see a situation where the top three performs like we would expect, which is going to be elite, and they get – a real return to form from a Carlos Carrasco and a Taiwan Walker, one of them at least. And if that happens, if Tyler McGill factors in, there's a chance this Mets rotation could have, you know, five starters that each and every day are, are, are giving you a chance to win that are racking up wins too. I wouldn't be surprised if you had, you know, many, many you know, double digit winners. If, if all five of the Mets starters this year, finally won 10 games, which isn't really important anymore, but it just shows, when you have a good team, uh, those pitchers wins end up coming in as well. It's a byproduct that I think isn't important, um, but worth noting when it happens. Anyway, though, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. We're going to continue ranking the Mets when it comes to the National League East as we lead into opening day. So tomorrow, it will be the top outfielders. On Thursday, we got a show brought to you by Bet Online. We're going to focus on the Mets betting preview heading into the season, and then we'll close off the week on Friday, ranking the best infields in this division. But as always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Locked On MLB is where you want to go to be up to date on everything going on in Major League Baseball. 
We call him Sully, and you can listen to him wherever you get podcasts.